Okay, we're live. Hi everyone, we are Sunflowers and Red Feathers. I'm Christina. And I'm Stephanie. We are two moms living in the before and after of child loss. Join us in this journey as we share our stories of not only loss, but how life after loss can still be full of beauty, love, hope, and joy. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on when we post a new video. Bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sunflowers and Red Feathers. I am Stephanie. Hi, and I'm Christina. This episode, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Corshell. And Corshell started a nonprofit that we're very excited to hear about tonight in honor of her daughter, Brecklin, who uh, was born and passed away on May 23rd of 2016. Um, so she started a nonprofit in her honor, and one of her main goals is just to shatter the stigma about pregnancy, infant, and child loss, and then basically just grief in general. So she's been writing her story about her daughter for the past five years, and she's really excited to now be on social media, on Instagram, and uh, this nonprofit, she wants to just get the word out and share about it. So welcome, Corshell. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Um, do you want to start off with telling us a little bit about Brecklin and yeah, her story? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, so like Christina said, I had Brecklin on May 23rd, 2016. She uh, was born in the morning and 10 hours later she gained her wings. Um, it was not joyful or the peaceful delivery that we were hoping for and it was completely unexpected. Um, it was an, an emergency C-section. Uh, come to find out that she had developed a infection called chorioamnioitis. Uh, and what it is, it's basically, um, it starts to form, it's, it's very, very rare, first of all. And there's really no science or studies about it at all. Um, it's kind of a new thing that doctors are are looking at and wondering what the heck it is. Um, but the the best way that the doctor described it is that it was my body at 36 weeks thought that Brecklin was cancer um, and just started attacking her body to help preserve my life. Um, it it took her life and. There's no testing for it. There's no signs or symptoms of it either. And so it, it, it was really just, it, it was really unexpected. Wow. So, so you just go into like normal labor and then you, you learn this after the, uh, this emergency or. Yeah. So it, the story is just really back and forth. It was really confusing in the beginning, but as I've pieced things together, I went into normal labor. I wanted to have an unmedicated birth. So I labored as much as I could at home. And then we went up to the hospital um, and the hospital has a rule that they have to monitor baby, make sure the baby's heart is okay every 45 minutes. So it was the third time that we went to go check on her heart and they couldn't find a heartbeat. They thought that maybe it was because I was in stress and because I didn't have an epidural and I wasn't letting 
myself and my body just relax during those contractions. So they thought that she was in distress, which is why they couldn't find her heartbeat. Um, they tried multiple different ways to get her heartbeat and ultimately decided that what was best was to go into an emergency C-section. Um, I went into the OR. They, they birthed her through cesarean. And I remember the doctor saying, I'm so sorry, your baby is dead. Um, Brecklin's dad, my boyfriend at the time, my now fiance, he said, do anything that you can to save her. So they started CPR. They did CPR for 23 minutes and finally got a heart rate um, and then put her on life support from there. She got blood transfusions, plasma transfusions, anything that they could do to keep her alive until I was able to meet her. They had drugged me with ketamine to knock me out quick enough um, to get her out. And it was through testing that they realized that this was a new infection. And I am not new to this infection. The first child I had actually spent some time in the NICU because of it as well. But because they didn't know anything about it, they didn't know that it was reoccurring. So looking at my medical history, that's ultimately what, ultimately what the doctors deemed um, as the cause of her death. Wow. wow. That is quite that a story. Is. It is. So we want to hear um, about your, sorry, I can't think of the word, um, because of Brecklin, right? Is that what you've called it? The nonprofit. So tell us about that, the nonprofit. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> um, so why did you start because of Brecklin? And what exactly does it do for people who experience pregnancy, infant, and child loss? So at Because of Brecklin, our mission is to get as many unstepped bears into the hands of those who experience child loss, pregnancy, and um, miscarriages, any sort of child loss, any sort of grief. We want to get an unstepped bear into the hands of those families. Um, the whole way that it came to be is three weeks after Brecklin had passed, I had a family member gift me an unstepped bear, and she just explained to me that when I was ready, I could go to any Build-A-Bear and have that stuffed for free of charge. And she would hope that it would bring healing and comfort and peace as I experienced grief and as I started this journey. And at first, I'll be completely honest. I was like, that's the silliest thing. Like, And I think a part of it was anger as well. I was like, I don't want to hold a bear. I want to hold my baby. And this is unfair that I have to hold a bear instead of my baby. And so that unstuffed bear sat for a few weeks until I guess ultimately I had a change of heart and a change of mind and was like, I would rather have something to hold than nothing to hold. And so that's, that bear became our Breck. We named her Breck. Um, she goes everywhere with us now. She's in our family pictures, goes on family vacations. I buy her Christmas pajamas every year. I buy her an Easter outfit every year. Like, yes, she is ultimately a child and she's part of our family now. And I realized how much she helped me and, and how much comfort she brought to me. And I wanted that peace and comfort to be passed along. And about that same time, Brecklin's first angel bursary was coming up and I wanted to do something in her name, but I couldn't figure out 
what to do. And I thought, you know what? Let's just donate to the hospital where we gave birth at a bunch of unstuffed bears. And then they can distribute those bears as needed. And they loved them. Uh, her second angelversary was coming up and they asked if we were going to do it again. I also had some CNA, some nurses on the labor and delivery unit go to other hospitals and they wanted to start incorporating those bears at those labor and delivery hospitals. And so through word of mouth and being public about my grief journey and our grief journey and what has helped us, we asked our friends and family to start adopting bears. And that's really where, because of Brecklin came into play. And for probably the first three years, I was just the crazy bear lady that donated <laughs> bears to all of the hospitals. I had no name. Uh, we really didn't know what we were doing. And the name just, just came to us one day. And it's it's been a snowball of, ever since. And our mission is still to get as many unstuffed bears into the hands of families that will experience pregnancy, infant, and child loss. Wow, that is that so is, cool. That is so cool. If you are the crazy bear lady, I'm the crazy book lady because that's what I do for <laughs> my son. <laughs> but about the teddy bears, like I, we had Joshua's bus driver actually gave us a teddy bear um, at the day of his funeral. Okay. And so I have that teddy bear and inside it, it was from Build-A-Bear and it has the heartbeat in it. And I still, I'll go pick up that teddy bear and hold that heartbeat because you can feel it and hear it. And oh my goodness, it means the world to me. I love that bear. <laughs> so that is sweet. I love that. Doesn't yours have Joshua's voice in it? Was that yours? Um, We got the boys that his first Christmas, we got a Super Mario bear. And it has his voice saying, I love you. <laughs> like he recorded it and it's never recorded. been recorded? <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I love that. I oh, love that yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love yours. So I love. I, I think that is beautiful. Oh my goodness! I bet that. I mean, it, you it warms your heart, but think about all the other mamas' hearts that that helps. Oh, I just love that. <laughs> I just can. I just envision that they probably take their bear because I know. Actually, it's probably the only the second time ever in my life that I've been built to, to build a bear was just a couple of months ago. My son Noah is three and my son Everett is a year and a half. And um, that was like the second time ever I've been there. And so they had so much fun, like picking out their dinosaur. And then, you know, they get the little heart and they put it in there and they watch it get stuffed and then they tie it. And it was um, I can just imagine somebody going in there with their little unstuffed bear and maybe putting like something sentimental in there, you know, like. An, a clothing item or a favorite toy. I don't know, something little, like how, how special that would be. Yeah, that's such a good idea. My son, kind of a side cute story. My son Everett, who's only a year and a half, I'm like, oh, he's not going to know. Like, he doesn't care what stuffed animal he's going to get, right? And so my my nephew, who's the same age as my son Noah, um, and my other nephew, who's also the same age, so two, at the time, there's three two-year-olds, they all picked out dinosaurs. And so I'm like, oh, Everett's going to want this little, like, Paw Patrol dog, probably, right? And so... Like I'm all doing it for him. And he watched all three older boys like pick out the little heart and put it in their dinosaur and then they blew it up. And he had a total meltdown that he did not have a dinosaur too. And the people there were so good with him that they're like, oh, we'll just put this little Paw Patrol guy aside. And they're like, he could totally have a dinosaur and he got to put the little heart in there. And it was like something so special about that moment of getting to be part of like stuffing it. Even to just like a one-year-old, I can't, 
Ugh, it just gives me chills like thinking about all these people going to build a barren. So anyways, where are you locally? Like in the United States or? No, I am in Northern Utah. In and Utah? Just, yeah, to revisit what you guys were saying is that's exactly why we do unstuffed bears. Yeah. So that you can put a heartbeat or you can put an ultrasound picture or a piece of clothing or whatever they want in there. And then there's, it's also, I call it being able to birth them, being able to stuff them. There's just something about that that just, it, it just hits you. You see them come through. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. So do the local Build-A-Bears in Utah know who you are? Like if they see somebody come in with that, they're like, oh, you got that from Corshell. They do. Yep. And they don't know my name. They just know me as, oh, you got that from the bear lady. And, <laughs> but they are so good. And I've I've almost trained them by visiting enough that, you know, be compassionate. And most of the time when you see an adult walking in with an unstuffed bear, you know what it's from. And so don't, you know, Build-A-Bear employees are great. They're always happy and, and outgoing and stuff. And so I just kind of tone it down and let them have a moment of silence if they need to offer them tissues. And yeah, I, every year, every year when we get more bears, um, I love listening to the employees tell me stories about people who have come in and how they know exactly what has happened. And, and, um, one gentleman in there has started to ask about do you feel comfortable telling me about your baby? I, I would love to, to hear about your baby and what your, what, what this bear means to you and, and who you're stuffing it in honor of. And I'm, I mean, you guys know being able to talk about your baby is, is the m- most amazing thing. Yeah. You have us you're crying over here. I get to see Christina crying. That is okay. beautiful. We need that in Idaho. <laughs> Sorry. I know. We need a crazy bear lady. <laughs> <laughs> that is our goal is actually to go into Idaho this year. We're in Nevada, California, um, and then most of Utah. Um, and then I this year we want to get into Washington and Idaho. So if you can, you know, if you've got contacts uh, to hospitals <laughs> in Idaho, we would love to donate up there as well. Um, well, you I've had, I'm going to have three, my third baby at the same hospital in Nampa. So, <laughs> Yeah, probably totally good. And we have a Build-A-Bear at the mall in Boise, and we actually have one in our little Walmart here in Nampa, like, really? like two miles from my house. <laughs> so, yeah. so weird. I know, but we have that one. So. We well, go to Build-A-Bear every birthday for fun in Boise. <laughs> yes, I didn't know that you'd get one for the the price of the, yeah. the age you are or whatever. Pay so your age. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. I love that. So it's already a cool and special place. And now it's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Um, so I'm a little bit different from your actual like nonprofit giving the bears and that kind of thing. I know one of your goals is to, like you said, in quote, shatter the stigma about pregnancy, infant and child loss. Um, in what other ways do you do that? I know you just started your Instagram. Like how do you, how, what other ways do you do that? So we started on Facebook and um, we have a fairly large following on Facebook and I share Breckland's story and even other people's story. Um, I share my niece Riot's story. She too uh, passed away shortly after birth, just days after birth. So I share her story and women who I have met with in the community, if they feel comfortable sending me a picture and sharing their baby's story, 
I gladly will share that story. I'm, I'm constantly, I, I feel like whenever I meet somebody new, I just like have to word vomit and tell them that, <laughs> did you know that people actually lose babies? And it happens a lot more than people would like to talk about. And so I just immediately like, I'm like, let's get into the nitty gritty and let's just talk about what makes you uncomfortable. I'm constantly, I mean, I'm constantly talking about Brecklin and I feel like by talking about her, I'm also making people kind of open their eyes and broadening their perspective that, oh, wow, this happens a lot more than we think it does. And especially um, when bear adoptions open, because for now, um, we only hold bear adoptions 10 weeks out of, or eight weeks out of the year. And by, you know, last year we had 193 bears adopted. And when I tell people we went through 193 bears in 12 weeks, they're like, wow, really? Like people lose babies that often? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And so just putting a number to it and, you know, any way that I can, I want to talk about it or I want to write about it or I want to show you a picture. Any, any way that I can, I, I will absolutely talk about it. Yeah. It's great. It's great. So do you think that you have a different view of grief now um, after losing Brooklyn than you did before? Oh, absolutely. I, um, I feel ashamed to say this, but I had a timeline on grief for other people because I hadn't experienced it. And so when people would bring up even just their spouse or, you know, their child, which I didn't hear of very often. It was more of a spouse or a parent that, that died years ago. I, you know, I would be quick to judge. And why are you still dwelling on it? Aren't you over that by now? Shouldn't you're remarried? Shouldn't you be, you know, moving past that? Shouldn't, I mean, it's done and over with. And now I know firsthand that never ever will I stop grieving ever. Um, I will have good and bad days and it does eventually get easier. And I do see more light every day and, and feel more sun every day, but I will always still wish that she was here and I will always miss her and I will always love her. And it, so it has absolutely changed. There is no timeline on grief at all anymore. And I have, I have learned that. Yeah, that is so true. We actually have a podcast episode that's called The Grief Timeline because I feel like, like you said, you you feel ashamed personally because now you know better, but it's so taboo, like child loss and grief. And people don't realize it, especially with child loss, unless you go through it, that it doesn't ever end. And I think I had probably the same opinion that the same view that you did until I lost my son Mason because you like everybody teaches you and society tells you, you know, you need to like put on the happy face and you just need to get through it and go, you know, and um, that's just not reality. The reality of it is we grieve them every single day in every aspect. We grieve all the secondary losses that come after they pass, like the milestones that they miss. And it's, it's a process and we don't ever get over it. We learn how to go through it and to live with it. And it's a burden that we carry with us for the rest of our lives and having community and having people like you that help to support and walk with you is so huge. And I love that 
people can physically have a part of whether it's their child or just a physical something to hold in honor of their child. I love that. That's a great, it's a great thing. I think one of the best things that I got from like gifts that were given to me, like, um, we're all, we're physical things. I mean, yeah, words are great, but people really don't know what to say and nothing really makes it feel better. <laughs> but just to know that you have, for example, it's actually, it still cracks me up every single day. I think about this because we have these tattered blankets on our couch, but I cannot get rid of them because somebody gave them to me in the middle of August in Idaho because they didn't know what else to give us when our son Mason died. And at the time she wrote this beautiful card and I'll have to share it sometime, but she's just like, I didn't know what to get you. I prayed about it. And God said, give something that would be comforting, like physically comforting. And so she brought two blankets and my husband and I use them every single night on the couch for the past almost four years now. And they are tattered and my cat has clawed them to death from needing and they're falling apart. But I love those dang blankets. So there's just something about having something that you can just physically hold. That means so much. I think it also helps with like agree. <laughs> the empty arm syndrome that we go through after we lose a child as well. Yeah. Especially, I don't want to say especially cause it's, you know, having a kid at any age die, you know, you can't hug them and whatever, even if they were adults, but I would say, especially if it's a young, young baby, cause there's that, you know, you grow through that you have them as an infant and you, they get to be where they're, you can't cradle them anymore. So you hold them on your hip and then they start walking. So then you just hold their hand and then they get to be older and, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a natural progression, but when you go through the labor and then you don't have anything to hold anybody to hold, I feel like that would feel so much more empty right off the get go. I can't imagine. Yeah. It, and it was really hard to come to walk out of the hospital with nothing. And, yeah. and I mean, I, I thank God for that. My mom was there to support me. She took, she took the diaper bag and, and the car seat so that I didn't have to carry the diaper bag or car seat out. Thankfully she took those before we, we were discharged, but just to come home to a crib that was completely, you know, ready for her to sleep in and baby monitor set up and, you know, my, my breast pump and her bottles and just, you know, everything that you do to prepare, to prepare for her to come home. And it, it sat for weeks, weeks and weeks. And it, and it wasn't even me who, who took anything down. It was my fiance who ended up taking stuff down and, and I had a meltdown. I cried in the other room. I just laid in bed and just cried while, while he packed her room up because I didn't, I didn't want to, I was very, very angry for a long time after, after she died. Um, and I, and I showed that through, through crying and through tears. Oh Yeah. I understand. <laughs> My son Mason was um, a missing child the first night that he was gone. And I remember that feeling of going home <laughs> to an empty crib and being like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, our last question we had, I realized was kind of like a duplication of a previous one. So did you have any other thoughts, questions, Stephanie? Don't. Um, I just, I think what you're doing is amazing. Really. I, people need that something, like you said, that empty arm syndrome, they need something to go home with and to, you know, go on their own timeline to be able to fill that. And wow, I can't imagine just the love that people feel um, 
knowing that someone was thinking about them even before they lost their baby. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I applaud you on that. Um, but go ahead and tell us, um, where we can find you, where people can find you. Um, and yeah, sorry, I can't think of the words. I'm just like, yes. So we are on, um, Facebook and Instagram. We're really new Instagram, but we're on both of our names or usernames or however you say that. Yeah, yeah. It's because of Brecklin on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, Like I said, I am very, very good at posting on Facebook. So if you want to keep more up to date on what we're doing and where we're at and this crazy journey that I'm on, I, I would follow us on Facebook. But we are trying to be better about Instagram and yeah, so Facebook or Instagram is the best, best way. And if any of your viewers or listeners need a bear, reach out on either of those platforms because we also do, I send bears from my home. They don't, not all of them get donated to hospitals. I do keep a stash in my house, um, ready to be shipped to families who, didn't get one at the hospital because I know that we're not in every single hospital and we do have, most of them will go out of state. We send bears all throughout um, the U S and if you don't have, if somebody doesn't have a build a bear close to them, I will ship you a stuffed one if you would like. So yeah, I, you can, you don't have to just lose a, a baby in the hospital to, to get one. I, I will ship one to you. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just an infant um, and somebody who's died in a hospital. It could be somebody who's just lost a child and would like a bear. Yep. Correct. At any point in time, any sort of grief that you're going through, whether it's, you know, a, a grandparent we've donated to um, people who have lost their, you know, young children that have lost their grandparents and just don't quite grasp the concept um, just this last month, I donated to a mother who lost her older child. She was, she was grown and had children of her own. And she was, you know, she was struggling with that loss, even spouses. It, it doesn't matter what kind of loss you, you have, we will all experience that grief. We'll all have that em- empty arm syndrome. We'll all miss that, that person. And you deserve to have a bear in your arms to hold. Well said. I love it. I'm on board. And when you come to Idaho, we both live here. So look at that. We'll just keep in contact and we'll be here. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, thank well, you thank so, you much, so for much for reaching out yeah. to us. <laughs> uh, thank you yeah. for having me. Yes. yes. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye.